You ready? Ready as I'll ever be. Right, Ryan, you stay here with the turbine. The rest of you better stay with Lex. We'll be as quick as we can. Whatever you do, stick together. Just let me worry about them. Don't we come back with something worth having? Or failing that, just come back in one piece. So welcome to Conversation on Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining me on the podcast panel today is Liz. Hello. Hill. Hey. And Sabine. Hi. We have episode notes done by Matt, Kata, and myself. So episode 28, the screenplay was done by David Fox. It was directed by John Reed. And the episode synopsis will be read out by myself. The Morats travel to meet with the other tribes to trade goods and service and to help ensure peace between gangs. But Bray's promise of a technology to restore the tribe's power may be a bit premature. Tysan uses her grace to represent the Morats in a dance competition. Lex comes face to face with an old friend, and Casey spots Dow, who's on his way to becoming a slave. Meanwhile, back at the mall, Patsy stumbles upon Celine's secret. I want to say up front that I do think this is an extremely well-written episode. Definitely one of my favorites. Um, I, I think we have an A-plus episode here. Yeah. The, the tone shifts a little bit in this episode, and I like that. Like, mm-hmm. It's a very serious episode. Well done, David Fox. I like it. Okay, so um, yeah, let's jump straight in um, by discussing the prelude to the Tribal Gathering. Um, so there, there are quite a few mixed feelings about going. It's an event that brings all the Morats together. For the first time, we see they have a unified tribal marking and even a very short-lived flag. Um, I have obviously loads of questions for the panel, but let's first of all focus on the tribe styles. Um, panel, what do you think of the new tribal marking, um, especially in comparison to the pentagram that we get later on? I think for this moment in time, the tribal marking is spot on for the Morats. It looks like an... Uh, a lightning bolt, electric current, going three ways, and they have the same symbol on their flag, and they want to go to the gathering to show they can produce power as an electricity. So I think in this case, it's actually a good marking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I always got the feeling that they knew that tribes had markings and that they were like a symbol for the tribe. Like we see the roosters using kind of the same look and stuff as their name. So I thought that was good for them to come up with that power symbol of the lightning bolt and all. But I'm glad we did not keep it for very long. I just don't think it's... I don't like it as much as the pentagram. I think the pentagram is cooler. But it was cool to see them all, like, united under one front. I'm just thinking, because we have this marking on the people who are going to the gathering. And then you have the people staying behind. You have Trudy and Brady who have no markings. And Patsy and Celine who have the same markings at this point. That was my next question panel yeah because Celine and Patsy have an entirely different tribal marking um yeah what did you think of that well they've had that she's had that with the kids for a while her Patsy and Chloe have Mm -hmm. all shared that one for a while so um that's just their connection to her and I've already pointed out that Trudy rarely ever shares a marking with anybody you know and Mm -hmm. Brady's the same so and also like if we're going to a thing and maybe like the resources at this point we don't know but the resources are slim why outside of the house do we need to have our like we know we're together right now so if we're going 
we should all look the same. It's the same deal with the funeral. They all kind of, they had the markings. The people who stayed behind didn't bother. That's, that's why this is kind of weird. It's this big event where the whole tribe are coming together. So why did Celine and Patsy did not have that kind of inclusion? It's like, even, just, even just as a symbolic gesture, it's a bit weird. That they because they're uh, they're only wearing it to make a point for the people outside. You mm, know what I mean? It's like Hill said, they already know it. they already know they're a tribe, and they're only they the Malrads don't like really wearing a uniform. You know that is what sets them mm. apart from other tribes. Uh, they they're all individuals, and that's kind of the point. Um, so yeah, I can totally understand why they would only wear an identifying marker because they had to. You know, and it was like, well, this one works. We'll do this. Um, I'm actually surprised they didn't choose a more striking marker because they go they go for so subtle. Like, for example, when you see the funeral garb, it's very striking, very noticeable. You would know they're all together. But the way they look now, if you don't notice that little very small forehead marking, you wouldn't really know they were a group, you know? My thoughts on this is, like, later on, it's more of a big deal but the mall rats are like the figurehead tribe and they they make it a very big point coming up here in a little bit about not letting anyone know you're a mall rat and like they have a target on their back so you know later on when they're separated even that it that's almost why they don't have a uniform like you say like if you see a techno away from their techno battalion i don't know their club like, you know that that is still Jay, and you know that it's still Ved if you see them on the city. Like, if you see a Mallrat alone from other Mallrats, they can blend in a little bit more easier. And I think that's something the Mallrats have always tried to do, just as an extra protection. I don't know, my issue is just with this specific moment. Like, it's a like group-defining moment, and you've, you've just got these outsiders. It, it doesn't... I don't know, it just doesn't gel with me completely. Yeah, then again, I just, it wasn't until season two that the tribe, the Mallrats become a tribe that uses any kind of marker to identify themselves. Um, before they find the amulet and it begins to signify what they stand for, uh, their only way you can tell that the Mallrats are a tribe is they use, you know, they use uh, signs of the antidote formula. So they all have leaves incorporated into their costumes. Mm -hmm. That is close mm -hmm. as they go. To that, they don't believe in that symbolism. It's not important to them. Um, in fact, I think that's the whole point of why the Mallrats don't wear a tribal uniform like the others, because they're standing for unity while holding on to their individuality. Mm -hmm. And uh, where a lot of tribes, they lose their individuality. They all just sort of they become a mob. You know, we don't know what they think. We don't know how they feel. None of them really stand out. They have to wear exactly whatever the leader thinks they have to wear. And that's what makes the mall rats different. And even when they do pick a symbol, it's because the symbol represents them at their core. The amulet, search for truth, light in the darkness, all that stuff. Um, that's why they chose the pentangle, uh, because it represented them. This time they simply, again, they just picked something because they needed an identifier for the tribal gathering. It doesn't mean anything to them. It doesn't have any real signifiers. Um, in fact, if Sabine hadn't pointed out that it looks like power, I just thought it was a random sign they picked for themselves. You know what I mean? I never, you know, I never uh, connected it to what they were trading. And also, I think the point of it being insignificant is because the Mallrats at this point are insignificant. So they don't stand out as anything special and neither does their insignia that they chose to wear. 
Something that I did find very odd about this scene, though, is why did Patsy stay behind? I really doubt Patsy wanted anything to go. Yeah. Wanted to go. You know, Patsy's terrified yeah. of going out there, but Chloe is willing to. You know, she yeah. she's like, I'll go. You know. Yeah, I I just kind of thought she might have had hope of finding Paul out there. You know. No, because that storyline is, sh- is shipped, and we're we don't want to bring up Paul anymore. We have closed that book. Yeah, we're over Paul. <laughs> like, we well, don't want to talk no, about Paul anymore. At this point, like, because of what happened, it's not a he could possibly come back. Like, that ship has sailed. They're just hoping that Paul can ride off in the sunset and never be brought back up again. No, they don't have a lot of mall rats to choose for, from to have a show of strength, but they needed one. And uh, so, yeah, if you have to bring the kids, Casey and Chloe are your best bets to bring them. Okay, since you bring it, you brought it up. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Oh. Was bringing Chloe and Casey really a show of strength? I can see the use in bringing Casey. Yeah. I just can't really see the use in bringing Chloe. It's about numbers. It's you numbers, know, yeah. It's a number. That's all it is. They, they, they don't have a show of strength. They, they don't have a lot of people. They're not a strong, like, physical presence as a tribe. It's just about numbers. That's all. Oh. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I could see Chloe being a liability, especially with her tendency to just wander off. Yeah, but she doesn't turn out to be one, does she? She's not the liability this time, so... But she wouldn't wander... Like, if you're going into a lion's den, like, they said very point blank how it's a trap and that it's not a good place i don't think she would wander off at that point and chloe's already proven like, she can take care of herself yeah. when she's out there um so yeah i would not be no. concerned about chloe she's the last person you need to be concerned about on this little trip <laughs> i don't know if she would have seen all the cute little animals in her cages but she didn't the point is she's not the problem so i don't even know why you're bringing it up because Chloe isn't the problem on this trip, and they had good reason to believe she'd be fine because she's handled herself fine in the past. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So let's talk about who was a problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's move on to the gathering itself because um, it was quite a striking and impressive scene. Um, yeah, what were your first thoughts on seeing this impressive collection of different characters and tribes? I mean, I love when we get to see, like, the personality of the city. So it was cool to, like, walk back and, you know, especially later on when we know some of the other tribes. Like, I thought I saw some collective back there before we even knew what that was in season five. Uh, I I really love everything about how the tribal gathering looks. I love the aesthetic um, quality. Um, I, I really, this, like I said, I feel like this is the world opening up for us, adding color, spice. I can taste it. You know what I mean? Like, that's how amazing it looks. I, I applaud the costume designers. So much thought was put into just costumes that you barely can see. They're just in the background. But there was so much thought put into what this world feels like, tastes like, smells like, you know? And um, imagining where all these kids hail from. And they look so unique and interesting. I love the use of odd items that they've added to their their bodies for protection or intimidation. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the like the dance competition announcer, the MC, because he's actually wearing an outfit that's reminiscent of samurai and Maori traditional like armor. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just there's yeah. so much thought put into this. It's incredible, you know, having all those kids there 
there are these amazing just look snippets of life just in the background of scenes that make you wonder what goes on in this world outside the mall why is there a cat in a cage you're not they're not selling that as a pet i guarantee it like that's no, food that's food, Someone that's food. Is selling that cat for food i wonder if that's the same yeah. cat that chloe had in the first episode <laughs> i think it was actually because it was a black cat <laughs> sounds exactly the same looks exactly the same i just thought that was funny yeah. um, same, and i think it's the same bird too because uh, there's that bird yeah. it's the bird that we see outside of the mall in i don't know that tree that's the bird the only thing that isn't the same is the rabbits they're a different color than the standard rabbit the sound of the tribal gathering is incredible you know what i mean it's oh, the whistles and the flutes and the drums and it feels alive and yet it also feels threatening because it's overwhelming uh we haven't heard of it's a it's a wall of sound which we haven't heard since we've been in the mall even when the monarchs are making noises, it's very isolated. It has an echo to it, you know? And this is just rich with sound. And um, yeah, I just, I think they did such an incredible job with this gathering. And yeah, the little crazy girl, little Mad Max girl. Oh, poor thing. And um, yeah, I, I love the gathering. Love the way it looks. It's fantastic. Yeah, um, rich is definitely the right word. I, I think like, for me, this is definitely that what I felt was missing from the tribe so far. Mm-hmm. Having suddenly all these different glimpses just glimpses into different tribes and all their markings and your ideas in your head of what they've doing and where they've been hiding and i think yeah this is like what what has been missing (laughs) i find it interesting that there's no tribe of just like the normal kids like there's not kids who are just wearing jeans and a t-shirt like they all have fully committed to this world which is also really cool because we haven't seen outside like it's not just the mall rats who are looking crazy it's everybody they're the most normal looking people there that's why they stand out yeah. mm-hmm. but like once again nobody's just wearing jeans and a t-shirt so the mall rats are the ones that are toned down which is funny to think and yeah since we brought her up um the crazed um young kid hey do you want to know where your mommy is i know where she is i know where all the adults have gone come on i can take you there not today like it's something again that felt like it's been missing that we haven't seen yet within the show (laughs) um yeah what were your thoughts like about her i thought her design was fantastic it's iconic it has stayed in my head from the first moment i saw her uh and it's interesting because you can use her image in a piece of art and most people recognize her like Mm -hmm. like you know they're familiar with the show they may not remember what season they saw that child but they know that child you know there's just something about the moment she has with chloe and just the thought of this lost child on the street she is a mirror image of chloe she is what chloe and patsy could have been you know um Mm. there is no one who stepped up to the plate to like I can't even imagine what's going on in that kid's head. She's so shut off. And they have to just walk away and leave her. You know what I mean? Amber doesn't try to adopt her. <laughs> Dark reality, they just leave this kid behind. They can't take it in. Look, I promised Bray the four of us would stick together and that's exactly what we're gonna do. Lex. What? There's only three of us. Where's KC? So the dangerous situation um, and feeling within the tribal gathering means that Lex doesn't have his usual leeway to muck around and he's actually pretty sensible throughout this entire episode showing genuine concern about Bray and Amber's safety as they go to join the tribe leaders meeting. What were your initial thoughts of um, Lex in this episode? For a moment he really seemed to be stepping up to his job and then he went and prioritized Casey who can take care of himself over Zandra and Chloe. And yeah, that just didn't sit well with me. 
for me, like, I feel like he really gets the situation. Like, he gets that this is a situation. This is not a normal tribal outing. They are definitely outnumbered and ill-prepared. So, honestly, like, yes, Chloe and Zandra can't normally take care of themselves, like, but it's still a numbers game at that point to Lex. And there's still two versus Casey, who is a by himself. Like, it's like a horror movie. Like, the ones who get cut off from the group, no matter who they are, they're the ones who find bad news bears and get in trouble. So, so, yeah, Casey can take care of himself, but he's still one and against everyone else. So that's why I always thought Lex went after Casey and left the girls playing the numbers game. This is a very important episode for Lex um, mm-hmm. because he knows he's he's dropped the ball with his job before. And uh, the Marats have had to deal with those consequences of it. So here he is. Again, I've already, I pointed out that I do think Lex desperately wants to be a hero, but he still hasn't learned how to be one. And he gets in his own way. So here he is. He does take this seriously. He didn't want to come, okay? He didn't want to be here. He was very pessimistic about the whole thing. He's got good reason to think this is a horrible idea. But, you know, he's respecting the fact that the other two leaders, this is what they voted for. You know, and so it's like, okay, I'm here. I'm here to do my job. He actually downplays a lot of his cynicism. Uh, you can actually see he's fighting through it all the way um, and trying to be as productive a member of his team as he can, despite the fact that this is awful. This is terrible. And he knows it's awful. And um, this is Lex's worst nightmare. Lex has good reason from his childhood to be a pessimist and to expect the worst in any given situation. So optimism is painful. For Lex. Hoping things will work out is terrifying because life has disappointed him so many times. You can see it in his face. He doesn't want this to go wrong, but he has no reason to believe otherwise, you know, and yet he is trying. He, I think he actually wants to believe that Amber and Bray might be right about something just once. Just be right about this, guys, because that would be great if you could be right about it. And, and he's doing his part, you know. Um, I think every move he makes is the right one. Uh, and it's the best move he can make given the situation, you know, and it sucks that it's his karmic past that comes and messes it up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's nothing Lex did wrong today. It's what he's done wrong another day, you know, um, getting attacked by Glenn. It's because he screwed Glenn over in the past. Um, it's kind of like the beginning of Lex's karmic road trip of pain. <laughs> He's going to go on where bad things will happen to him, not because of what he's doing now, but because your sins in the past don't just go away, you know, and even when you're trying your best to be better. Uh, So I was impressed with Lex. I think he is doing the best he can. And I agree with Hill that when it comes to KC being missing compared to Chloe and Zandra, he I agree that he has to go after Casey. You know what I mean? Casey's the youngest. He is still a child. I think Lex sees a lot of himself in Casey. Nobody was protecting him. Uh, so he is generally more protective of Casey. And um, yeah, I, I do think that would have been the right thing to do. I would have told the girls, go back to the turbine and Ryan, let me go find Casey. You know, he doesn't want to take the girls into danger. You know what I mean? He's doing his best. He really is. Also, I think for Lex too, because and you said like, well, we have said that he's trying to take his job more seriously. Like, who's the one who's wandered off? Like, the three are still together. It's KC who's gone. So if Bray and Amber come back and they're like, where's KC? Like, I haven't done my job. If I find KC and bring them back, there's no harm, no foul right now. So I think that also plays into it a lot, too. 
Yeah, I just found an interesting decision for him to leave his fiance unprotected. But I don't think that she necessarily is unprotected at this point. She and Chloe are also less likely to get in any trouble than KC. Yes. Casey like if I had to, big trouble. You know what I mean? Like if my kids, if I'm in a bowling alley and I can't find either of my kids, I'll tell you which one I'm going to look for first. The one I know <laughs> will fearlessly jump into danger. She'll, I'll find her behind the pins somewhere. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I gotta find that kid. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, I think we've probably all had a point in our lives where something has gone wrong. And as long as you're able to fix it before like mom and dad get home, <laughs> you're okay. And I think that was very much on Lex's mind. Like, as long as I can find Casey before Amber and Bray, mom and dad get home, we can pretend like I didn't steal the car and went out joy drive. It's all good. I also have to say something about Caleb's acting in this. He does such great, subtle eye acting in this episode. Yes. You can tell every thought that is going on in Lex's mind. You can see the strain that this is putting on him. He has got to be a brave face. He knows this is on him. I have got to keep these people alive. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I don't even believe we'll make it. And you can see him struggling with himself. Like, nope, I got to try and keep a positive spin on this because I got to get these yeah. guys out of here. You know, he is taking it so seriously. He showed up for work today. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I think that plays into it. Like, you know, before the threats weren't really in the mall, it's okay if I take a nap while I'm supposed to be guarding. Today I have to show up, like you said. Like, today's the major leagues. And this is do or die. Amber and Bray are looking at him like, please, dude, we've got to depend on you. And he wants to be that. He wants it so bad. He wants to be able to look them in the eyes and say, you didn't misplace your trust, you know? Just once, come on, Lexi boy, get it right. You know, he's trying, you know? You could tell, you could see it in his face. Because it's the big like it's a big deal it's like it's also jack's you know biggest day of his life at this point too you know how that goes i think they're like they all have a lot riding on the gathering and it shows in how they act and what they do and i love that moment failing that just come back in one piece you know what i mean it's like that minor concession my favorite that, line yeah you know come on guys don't don't let, let me believe in you okay I'm, tr I'm trying i'm really trying you guys are the optimists i'm trying don't let me down <laughs> just come on and I, I just like that it's those few moments where the leaders connect with each other and uh have that unspoken understanding between the three of them and uh despite how much they disagree on everything and yeah i i gotta say this is a good lex episode in my opinion i really enjoy him and i'm like i'm rooting for him i'm pulling for him you know like we write that down. <laughs> this is the first i absolutely loved that little window of genuine concern that he has for bray and amber you get um, pics of it obviously i switched by the end of the episode but um yeah, at this point <laughs> in time i do love him <laughs> that little bit of a peak of a heart of gold that he has buried down there somewhere and i want it just said that things go wrong this day <laughs> but it's nothing Lex did today that caused it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah he messed up with Glenn in the past and it came back to bite him, you know. <laughs> but up until this point, he also thought Glenn was dead. Like, you know, uh, it's because he sacrificed him. That's why. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> That's good okay, thing. but like from episode what? Like, yeah, he thought he was dead two. because he sent him to die. <laughs> exactly. Like we, I mean, as a viewer, I haven't thought much of Glenn since episode one, maybe two. So who would have thought he would come back, you know, 28 episodes later? And while I do believe that Lex often deserves his karmic punishment, 
<laughs> I do feel bad because he was doing so well today. You know, he's like, this is the worst day for your karmic punishment to show up. Like, can we reschedule? Come on. I know I deserve it, but can you come back tomorrow? Because I've just, I've got something really important happening today. And the karmic punishment was like, nah, sorry, son. We don't, we don't, <laughs> we don't work when we show up. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, Lex. <laughs> you were doing so well. He did have his coming, though. I mean, I, I, I really can't fold Glenn for wanting his revenge. Oh no, not at all. I'm I'm just saying I feel for Lex because it's like we've mm-hmm. all had the past come back to get us. But there are days where you're just like, just not today. You know what I mean? Like, okay, let's say you you did something wrong to one of your friends, but you've been able to keep it under wraps and there's a big important wedding. That is not the day you wanted to come out. Do you know what I'm saying? You're just like, let's mm-hmm. just get to the wedding and then you we can fight, fight about this later. But can we just let our friends get married without it turning into a Jerry Springer episode? You know what I mean? <laughs> I totally get that I deserve this. Just not right now. <laughs> Remember me? Uh, hey, Glenn, how's it going? I'm well, very well. And you? How about the lovely Zandra? I bet you two finally got it together by now. Yeah, since we're on the subject of Glenn, let's keep with that. Um, yeah, what were your initial thoughts about seeing this ghost from the past suddenly pop up and finding Lex half beaten to death? Yeah, do you think it is just desserts for his earlier transgressions? Yeah. Yeah. I can't fault Glenn at all. I, I can't. That's exactly what Lex did to him. And that's probably exactly what happened to Glenn. He got stomped in. Okay. Mm. Um, he's just, he, you know, he made it work for him. He managed to become part of the tribe, not a slave. But he was left for dead by one of his comrades. He deserved his revenge. So. And he even says this. This is what I learned on day one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember watching it the first time and having that like, oh man, moment because like, I was like, why, why are the locos watching them? Like, that's not good. And then you know the tables turn. And you're like, oh snap! Like everyone plays an important part in this story, and we get to see Glenn's kind of important part now, being how it all fits together. I, I love that. I love that. You know, Glenn was not completely forgotten. You know what I mean? Like things that you've done in your past, they don't just disappear. You know. Uh, and I'm just imagining Glenn's face lighting up. He hasn't seen Lex since that day. He doesn't know what happened. Right. You know what I mean? Because Lex doesn't leave the mall. He stays inside, you know? And You'll wonder why you now, know, right? um, his, Oh, man, he must have been like, yes, Christmas came early. We gonna get this mofo. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, I do, like I said, I feel bad for Lex because he's actually trying to do something right. You know what I mean? But yeah, I, I can't begrudge Glenn at all. Yeah, get you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> Don't get mad, get even. And you can tell that's how Glenn sees it. He's just like he gets two hits in, and then he just says, "Finish him." <laughs> he, he doesn't even do it himself. Yeah, right. I'm surprised that I was like, "Really, dude? You can't just finish him off yourself. You have to get your henchmen to do it." But yeah, because Lex isn't worth it to him. He's like, "I ain't wasting energy punching him. I'm just. I'm not gonna waste the energy giving him a beat down. He's gonna get the same beat down that I got." <laughs> yeah. Plenty of people at the same time. I feel that's a fantastic story that I wish we'd gone to see a bit, like Glenn's like ride <laughs> yeah. in the locos. That <laughs> would have been cool. Fun that cliche story of like winning the respect of his captors. This yeah. one's got heart. This one's got heart. <laughs> yeah. It, it would have been cool though. I'd like to see him. It would have been cool. Like, yeah. Like take the beatings and like show his kind of worth. And, like, because he's bossing them around. Like he rose to the yeah. right. Yeah. But he also like he's got the same marking, but his like, cl- like I guess you couldn't really change it too much. You have to still 
have something to familiarize yourself with the character. But, like, he hasn't gone full loco either, which I thought was interesting. He's got that large kind of flame mark. Yeah, he's got the flame marking, but he's still got the same jacket and everything from before. And that says something, because you know they took all his his stuff when they took him in and beat him down. He earned it back. Mm. He earned it back. picture and Glenn in a fight club. (laughs) His trainer's like, win the crowd, win your freedom. (laughs) Uh, If anyone has that fanfic, just send it my way, because I'll be (laughs) interested. Glenn is the gladiator. (laughs) Another one of the lists. But I have to admit, there's a weird part of me that was happy to see that this kid was okay. Because I felt bad in the episode, the first episode. I'm like, I didn't know who he was, but all I knew is that one of his own friends left him to be captured by this mm-hmm. scary, deadly tribe. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's so messed up. So there was a little part of me was like, oh, you did well for yourself. If anyone has written fanfics about what happened to Glenn, please post the links later on. We want to know. I also think Glenn is a really good example of how to use your tertiary characters in a story. Um, sometimes when people like either write a fanfic or they just need a new character for something, that's what they do. They'll just create new random characters who are one and done. Um, but it's really smart to try and use the people that already exist in your world. So I thought it was great to bring Glenn back for such a short thing, mm-hmm. you know, so you can get payback at Lex and then he disappears again. You know, that's all he was for instead of, cause they could have had anybody beat up Lex. They could have set up any situation where he's good callback and yeah this is a great callback great use of a character that we haven't seen you and know I, and i don't think it would have been like as impact because let's face it there are plenty of rando characters that beat up lex later like mm-hmm. it's not the same like this yep. is this is that guy yep everybody if you were there you're like oh snap yeah, like fun. there's history here mm-hmm. it has a touch of like a western you know yeah and uh so when you see glenn all you're waiting for that that little whistle sound <laughs> like goodbye me ugly. Going, oh yeah you killed my father prepare to die <laughs> like it gives it a different weight and then you know when he comes back with the virus and everything it makes those stakes again now because now the last time i saw you you beat me up now you want me to help you like what it's a it's an interesting arc with him and yeah it's an interesting untold story you know, every time we see Glenn, he's in a different state. Yeah. And uh, there's only something very tragic about Glenn's story, you know. Why let the slaves have all the fun? We could do the work ourselves, reap the rewards, and set the slaves free. What are you talking about? I'm talking about taking pride in something and taking responsibility for looking after ourselves, as well as those less able than us. Behaving like adults, you mean? So during the tribal leader meeting, she goes all guns blazing arguing for the abolition of slavery and the introduction of a food production system um yeah panel like was this too much too soon um or do you think amber was just trying to make the most of her limited opportunity yeah i think it's the latter i i get i know it was too much baby i you just you don't have any weight or any pull any influence these people don't know who you are you cannot just waltz in here and start telling them how to restructure the life that they've built for themselves over months you know Mm -hmm. Um, but i get it i totally understand why amber would be someone who would take advantage of this moment and i think it's actually very important because it paints her as a human who is completely flawed and no she doesn't swoop in here and take over the tribal gathering and have people listening to her in awe they laugh her off the stage like who are you you don't get to say anything to us 
um, it's not enough to be optimistic and trailblazing. You know, it's like, oh, bless your heart for your tools, but you got the wrong tools for this job. You know, mm-hmm. I. It was a little bit too much too soon, yeah, but I also give her major credit for taking that shot. Like, she seized that opportunity and grabbed it. She didn't waste it. Yeah, and I think that's the lesson that, you know, for the kiddos out there that you're supposed to, like, catch on to. Like, you know, what, Hamilton, you're not throwing away or shot or whatever, like, bringing that up. She saw the opportunity, good, bad, indifferent. She took it and let the chips fall where they may. So, um, and you never know. Like, there could have been one person who's like, actually, yeah, she does make some sense. Like, let's see where this goes. But, you know, you never know your audience. And obviously that audience was not willing to listen, but she still tried. Go Amber. It's also her it's rem- very reminiscent of her journey with the mall rats inside the mall. It's not like the first time she was like, hey, guys, this is how we should live. They listen to her there either. You know, um, that's how it works. You don't succeed the first time you go out there to change you the world try. and make a better place. It doesn't. Yeah. You got to try, you know, and uh, that's part of Amber's personality. She'll never stop trying. I love the fact that the mall rats first foray out into mm-hmm. the world to make it a better place is a failure you know mm-hmm. and it's very realistic and i think i like growing up with the tribe like i think i learned a lot more from amber in that scene than pretty much anything else which was kind of like looking back is kind of cool you know like you said you don't always succeed in life but. i also really like how adamant Am- uh, ebony is to shout amber down it's like she's afraid to let amber speak she has no problem question, you know, talking to Bray, asking how the tribe is and stuff like that. She's very cordial with him. But when Amber tries to speak, Ebony gets angry. And I think it's because Ebony recognizes the same power Absolutely. in Amber that she has. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. She does not want this girl getting a hold of the crowd. You know? And so she shuts Amber down. Amber is a political threat. Yeah. <laughs> like, if this girl could get her claws into crowd, she could talk sense in them. She could lead them. I can't have that. There's no way I can have another voice of reason out there to contend with. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Not content to run your puny little mall? <laughs> like, oh, girl, you in my territory now. I can't have another intelligent orator around here. Nope. Nope. Yeah, it's actually moments like these that I remembered later when they brought in Danny, you know? It's like, this is the point where Amber is still nag and push until they listen, um, which doesn't work for her, doesn't work for Danny later either. And it's one of the reasons why Danny reminds me so much of Amber. I like the conversation that they're having at the tribal meeting a lot. Um, the things that they're discussing about how things work and the bad blood between the different tribes. and how so It's another picture of what's been going down between these tribes. And you get the sense that the locals have burned a lot of bridges with a lot of people, you know, a lot of people. And now you have a better idea of why Ebony is doing this. Nobody wants to trade with the locos anymore, you know. Um, And if other tribes can fight back, they can't just take it. So it makes perfect sense that Ebony is like, oh, crap. You know what I mean? Like, if we're going to get to the if I'm going to get to the top of this. Like, we have to be able to get stuff from people. And if they refuse to trade with us because we pissed off too many people, so why not have this tribal gathering and try to make peace with everybody? But as we're hearing, the locals are the ones who've caused all the problems. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, and Ebony's trying to soothe these feathers. 
kind of say thing. Well, if we take more, it's because we need more. And she's trying to spin the slavery thing like it's this positive thing. The logos are doing for the greater good. <laughs> <laughs> We've liberated strays. <laughs> I love that. It's for the good of the tribe. What do you mean it doesn't work? This is kind of a joke. Could you speak up? The demon dogs didn't quite hear you. I can't believe you let us walk in there and stand up to those psychos talking about unlimited power. The whole time you had nothing, zero. Look, I did. I was sorry. Sorry. I don't mind bluffing the locals, Jack, as long as I know that's what I'm doing. So throughout this episode, we have the impending train wreck that is the wind turbine. Thanks to Alexis' sabotage, um, the audience know it doesn't work. Jack knows it doesn't work, but Bray, meanwhile, has been talking it up in the meeting and the Morrits are counting on it as their bargaining chip. Um, yeah, panel, what do you think of Jack's decision not to tell anyone else about the problems with the wind turbine? Jack is the reason this whole day went to total crap. If this was, if this hadn't happened, okay, the worst that would have happened is Lex got his butt kicked and they'd still have to try to some way free Dal and Sasha. But because Jack, this is why there's a freaking riot, okay? Oh my gosh, I'm so angry at Jack in this episode. It makes me so mad that he let his ego get so in the way. He had opportunity after opportunity to just tell his tribe the truth. Okay, like guys, um, I know you were counting on me, but I can't get this thing to work. Not today, at least. I need more time to figure out what's wrong with it. But no, he just can't handle telling someone that he wasn't able to figure it out. And he put them in the situation. Then he has the nerve to act all butthurt when they call him out for screwing them over. You know, I, Jack, I will say it's probably the only Bray line that I love in the history of all of Bray's episodes, though, is the, I don't mind lying to the logos as long as I know I'm doing it. Like, I love that line so much. Yes. Because it's so true. Like, if Jack would have just told somebody, it would have changed the entire outcome of everything. You, you do feel for Bray there because he he's been bigging this up, like, unlimited power. Just like, oh, like, we've got it, and then oh, <laughs> Jack turns around and says, "Oh no, we haven't got that." <laughs> he's like, "Why did you let me go in there talking about unlimited power if you yeah. knew the thing wasn't working, Jack?" It's so great. Oh my gosh. Oh, I, I, I don't know how Bray is keeping right. from throttling that kid. Right. Yeah, I would have. That's just like <laughs> Jack's all butthurt about it. Like, I know. He is. I'm like, Jack, you screwed your entire group over. You let them walk into a, a, a furnace of fire after telling them, don't worry, these are what these are like fireproof. You know what I mean? Like, why would you do that? that makes Bray like apologize. Like, no, you should be. No, Jack should be apologizing to Bray. Come on. I do love Bray's desperate apology. It's such a Trudy apology. Yeah. It's like, look, I'm sorry, okay? Like, <laughs> right. Jack, help me. <laughs> They're gone. <laughs> I think it's the only time I like Bray. Let me just amend the whole thing. I feel so bad for Bray because he did a good job of handling. He knew what he was doing when he went to travel gathering. Like when Amber's there, she thinks I'm going to come in here, change the world. Bray doesn't go in there with that attitude. He's like, nah, it's not going to happen. He knows how to work Ebony. Right. He goes in there and says what he needs to say so that they'll be respected. Okay. Because he he knows how these people work. And he was good. He was good at selling them the turbine. You know what I mean? I mean, think about it. What is the turbine? But the way Bray sells it, it's like, I want one you know and they're listening to him and they have a chance to be recognized and jack screwed him over so bad i was like oh i would break the glasses on his face ray when he's under like a fire is my favorite 
doesn't happen because Bray is Mr. Cool. You can't shake him. But when Bray is rattled. That was some beautiful, like, righteous <laughs> anger from Bray. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and Jack's just sitting there. Gingers have no souls. Mm. <laughs> resent that. <laughs> oh, man. Jack made me so mad. <laughs> but it was such typical middle schooler behavior. <laughs> yeah. like, it really was. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's not going to fix this, Jack. And he's sitting there pouting. It'd be one thing if he had gotten it to work before they left. He still didn't know why it yeah. was being sketchy, but he'd gotten it to work. That'd be different. But he knew it was broken, and he had no idea why. Like and he two still weeks ago, was it? it was broken. Like, uh, we knew it wasn't. Like, come on. Yeah. He knew. Amber came in and asked him how it was. He could have said, fine. it's good. It's totally fine. This could have been avoided like three <laughs> weeks ago, my friend. Like, come on. <laughs> All because you couldn't admit that you needed pepper in your life. Okay? <laughs> Tony's narcissism strikes again. <laughs> um, yeah, it's within the tribal gathering that um, Dow and Sasha's story finally reintersects with the rest of the Morats as they are sold to Ebony. Um, and that leads to a really interesting scene where Ebony decides to ditch her original choices and pick up um, Dow and Sasha as her slaves. Why, panel, do you think she did that? Was it specifically to get back at Amber or do you think she was playing some other game? <laughs> of course she would bite him. She knows it would piss Amber off and well, yeah. you know, she's assuming Bray and Amber are a thing because, well, power couple ruling the tribe and she's jealous. And who knows how far Bray will go to get Amber, her best friend, back. You know, it's... Yeah, I totally get why Ebony did that. And here the Mallrats had already gone on about having a way to create electricity. Still want that. Maybe she can trade Dal for it. I think it has more to do with leverage than jealousy or anything else like that. I'm sure all those things played a part, definitely. But I think it had way more to do... With just the fact that he's connected to the mall rats and he could be useful. Just the fact that she has one of the mall rats could be very useful to her. And um, Ebony does not let opportunities pass her by. She may not know how they'll pan out. You know what I mean? But she's like, this could be something. You know what I mean? This could be way more useful than two slaves that I don't know. But um, this kid right here. Who knows what this it's like remember when she was captive and she was just pulling strings in conversations mm. with people she didn't know which one of them she was going to be able to break she was just pulling on them until she found one and i feel like that's what this is about dal is a string of potential you know like this could be very useful or beneficial to her and it gives her leverage over people who might become a problem for her so i think it has way more to do with that she doesn't pass up opportunities you know wheels are always spinning in her head and um so yeah i would if i was ebony and thought the way she did i would have totally bought dal too yeah i'm with liz on that one there could be so many ways that dal could be useful and annoying the hell out of amber is just the tiniest bit of it amber who had just had this huge speech about abolishing slavery would not like it if her best friend ended up as ebony's slave specifically well she doesn't know the connection yeah. between dal and yet in fact when amber is asking her to please like dalgo ebony even asks why what is so special about him like she picked dal because mm -hmm. he was a mall rat but not because she knew he was best friends with amber you know and when amber says he's my friend ebony actually looks surprised like what <laughs> like that's it he's your friend what is this friend thing of what you speak <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, it might have had more to do with Bray than Amber. Yeah. You know? Because uh, uh, she likes to keep Bray in her sights. And she's always going to want to have some kind of leverage over him. So taking one of his tribe mates as a slave will always keep her in his mm. wheelhouse. He'll have to come talk to her. Think about it. If she takes Dal, she buys him. Mm-hmm. You know, Bray will have to come talk to her at some point. She knows he will. There's a really good chance he'll come and ask about him. And instead, it's Amber she's dealing with. That's an interesting thought, actually. I, do you think Ebony missed a trick not trading Amber for Dal? No, because she wanted to talk to Bray, not Amber. That is an interesting one. I think while Am- Ebony does start to see Amber as a threat to her power base, like a potential, you know, adversary, I don't think she quite knows just how much potential Amber has. So she's kind of dismissive of mm-hmm. her. Um, if she could have seen into the future, she definitely should have traded Amber and taken her. Um, and that totally, and if her goal is to get Bray to continue being in her sphere, he will definitely show up to talk about amber um but at the same time if you do see amber as a threat would you really want her around your people would you want her in a place where she can influence them and speak to them and (laughs) maybe cause a revolution with them i feel like ebony doesn't have enough information to make an informed decision Mm -hmm. you can't really be blamed for this you know ebony has like no radar presence of amber at this moment like that's like, she's very focused in on anything but Amber at this point. Hmm. I mean, this is only the second time they've met. Yeah. And right now, to her, Amber's a nuisance and a know-it-all. And, exactly. You know, loves telling that's what, But that's all she is to her right now. I mean, even when Amber says, you know, says, are you jealous? You know, Ebony's like, do you think you'd still be alive if I was? Like, she doesn't see Amber as a threat so far yet. Um... By the time she does, though, she'll be sick of Amber. Like, all right, I've had enough of this girl. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where she came from, but she needs to go. <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree. I just, yeah, still think that Amber would have been a, a better bet than Dow. Him being the nerdy type. So she may have assumed he could actually be useful enough for getting her the knowledge that the mole rats have about making electricity. Maybe. I, I mean, I always thought that was the thing. Like, one... he. Dal could be useful for his knowledge. He could be useful because of his knowledge of the Marats or invention stuff. It also gets back at Amber and Bray and the situation of the tribe. Like she's got a Marat. That's even more leverage. It's a it's a Dal's a good pawn to have. Mm-hmm. Like he's out of all of the slaves that they bring, he is the most valuable one there. Whether the nomads know it or not. Hello, Sasha says, nice friend you got, Dal. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Sasha. He's just like, I should have just let the nomads eat you. I could have been on my way. I got something to trade for Dal. What? What's that? That is 10,000 big ones. (laughs) You can count it if you don't believe me. It was a good thought, Ryan, but money's no use anymore. Come on. Uh, and that leads us to our final thoughts of the episode. Um, yeah, Ryan attempts to salvage the Morats' imminent defeat by revealing his hidden stash of money. And the tribal leaders instantly show what they thought of that panel. Yeah, what did you think of Ryan? 
Oh, I'm so sorry, baby. Thank you. Oh, bless his heart. Oh, it hurts. It hurts. I knew it was coming, but it hurts. Yeah. yeah. You can save the day by buying Dal's freedom because, well, Lex never told him the money was useless. And he just mentioned the money like a yeah. day ago. He could have yeah. totally told Ryan. I, this is the, yeah, that's the thing. Like, oh, the episode ago, Lex actually asks him, What about the money? And I obviously meant him to bring it along. I. Mm-hmm. Oh, why? <laughs> because Lex is trying to keep oh. Ryan thinking that he's useful. And so Ryan finally sees his opportunity. This whole episode is about like stepping up and seizing opportunity when you see it. So Ryan sees his opportunity at this moment. He doesn't know that it's not how you should go about this because no one's told him. But he thinks he's doing what he needs to do. Yeah, but like Lex, I made him put this into play. Lex should have. He should have. Yeah. But also, I think. So, you know, Ryan's trying to be helpful, and Lex doesn't have the heart to tell him, hey, this is not a good thing. Like, oh, it has nothing to do with the heart. Stop it. Stop it. It has nothing to do with the heart. (laughs) That is not what you're telling Ryan. You don't have a dumb friend that you're just like, okay, whatever, dude, just. Lex does not care about Ryan's feelings. He has proven it time and time again. That's not the case here. We know that's not the case. He does not care about Ryan's feelings. He doesn't care about hurting them. He doesn't care about making Ryan cry or making him feel like crap. He treats him like that all the time. That is not why he isn't telling Ryan about the money. He finds it utterly funny. I grant it. I'll say this for Lex. I doubt Lex ever thought there'd be a moment where Ryan would try to use the money like, I don't think Ryan, you know, Lex ever thought, oh, yeah, I'm sure Ryan will do that. Like, I don't think that ever crossed his agree. mind. Yeah. Like, he's doing this thing his friend. Um, but I don't think it actually crossed Lex's mind that an opportunity was going to come up where Ryan would try to use the money and find out the hard way it wasn't worth anything. But, um, yeah, he definitely should have told him. And I don't think his lack of telling him has anything to do with trying to protect Ryan's feelings, even no matter what he says later. Because he just, in general, doesn't care about Ryan's feelings. Poor Ryan. (laughs) I'm really sensitive. It hurts seeing him do that and knowing it's coming. Because you, the audience, we know the money isn't worth anything. You know? And so when Ryan says, I have something, I know I can trade. I stashed it. You're just like, oh my gosh, he's going to get the money, isn't he? And you know, oh no, it's not worth anything. And his confusion, his genuine confusion. He was like, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to spend all this hard-earned cash. I'm going to buy him back. Don't worry, Amber. I'll, t- I'll handle it. And uh, He's so earnest. And it, I'm like, uh, I'm sorry. The way they laughed at him. <laughs> Don't laugh at my right. I felt so bad for him. <laughs> he just needs a big hug. And that's a rough way to learn that something you truly believed in was nothing. You know, like, that's a really awful way to find out. You know, he didn't even have time to come to grips with it. It's just, he really believed in that money. It's like, he could have known a while ago that it wasn't worth something and he could have gotten over it by now, you know, and but no, this is how he learns. That he's been made a fool of and couldn't actually help. And, ugh, <laughs> sorry. It's making my stomach hurt, you guys. Yeah, if it had just been for a small thing, you know, him trying to buy something and I'm finding out. He couldn't pay with money anymore. That would have been one thing. But him trying to save one of his friends with it. Oh, Ugh. it's just, it's heartbreaking. It's like, um, you know, let's say you're like captive in a country 
and someone's like, okay, I'm going to get you a passport so you and your family can get out. And you trust them. Like, mm-hmm. oh, thank you so much. And you get this passport. Your life is depending on this passport. You get your family to the border only to find out you were scammed by this person. They took advantage of your situation and the passport's worth nothing. Like, that's the kind of feeling it gives me. Like, this is not the time to find out. <laughs> oh, it's so awful. His face. Oh, Ryan's face. Mm. <sighs> But it's a nice subversion of the hero trope, you know, um, like this is a great example. I, I like the tension in this episode of things just accumulatively going wrong. You know, it's not just one thing that happens. It's just one after another. They're like, bless the Mallrats heart. They just can't fight back this tide. This was pretty inevitable that these things would just keep going wrong. And um, yeah, the clock ticking down, you know, whew, really well done. And um, yeah, obviously, right on cue, um, Lex decides to blame everything on Bray. <laughs> what did you think of that final bit of the scene? He always wanted to be the one to be able to tell Bray, I told you so. <laughs> that's the look he has of someone who wants to say, I told you so, because, well, he has a point. He did tell them it would go wrong. And yeah, he's been telling them for days. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Let's go wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that there is something interesting. It's such a layered thing. Like technically all of this went wrong because mm-hmm. Lex cut the wire. You know what I mean? Like technically the reason everything has gone to crap is could be traced back to things Lex has done. You know what I mean? Like cutting the wire, you know, sacrificing Glenn. All of those things can be tracked back to Lex. And those are the two major things that have gone wrong um so far. So you, technically it's Lex's fault. Uh, but at the same time, there's the other layer of, well, Lex never wanted to leave them all or try this out. And it was the optimist who said it would. And Lex was the one who said, no, this won't work because people like me made the world terrible. That's why this won't work. <laughs> um, I also feel something else layered in Lex blaming Bray. When you look at Lex and his face and how he says it, I'm reminded of a boy who had every bit of hope snuffed out for him time and time again. You know what I mean? Like there was a tiny bit of Lex that wanted to believe that maybe Amber and Bray might be right about this. Just maybe, you know, so I'm going to do my part only to have life kick him in the teeth and say, no, things don't go right. Lex, when are you going to learn that? You know, and he's taking that anger out on Bray, you know, like I told you this would happen. You know, this is why I don't believe in anything good happening because things go wrong. Um, I just feel like there's like that deeper layer to what Lex has experienced in his own life and why he sees the world through such a negative view. And um, because hoping that things go right, it's, that's for the stupid. You know, that's what happened to Lex. That's what he learned, you know. And But it's, you know, it's just a realistic reaction. You're lashing out at everybody. You know, Bray's lashing out at Jack and everybody's just... This is hard. This is a rough situation to find themselves in. The image of Lex just laying there beaten. It was well done. I was like, they did a number on him. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, well done makeup department. Tag, they jacked him up, you know, and yeah, it's just uh I I I get you know, I get the irony of Lex blaming everything on Bray, but I also feel like it's just it's a heated moment, mm-hmm. you know. And you're lashing out because this is awful. This is a bad situation that they're in. And it's just getting worse. We're not getting out of here alive. There's such a resignation to Lex's tone, you know? Like, 
it's more just disappointment that this happened and anger that this happened. Like, this is the world we live in. When are you guys going to get it? There's no room for hope in this world. And that's how a lot of people in it feel. They believe just like Lex that there is no point in hoping for more because life just sucks and then you die. And um, it makes, you know, the optimists a little bit more admirable that they still fight to believe that something good can come of all this. And I also think it's a really cool uh, subversion of everything working out for the mall rats, you know, and that's the way societies that are born and formed. This is what happens. You know, the first pitch, the first attempt at everybody working together does not go well. <laughs> like that's the reality of it. They go out there, they took a chance and it's going to fall apart. And this episode leaves you feeling like, why did we go? Why did we go to the mall? What were we hoping for? What was the point of it? Now what are we going to do, you know? And we don't realize it's just going to get worse. <laughs> Does anyone remember what they thought was going to happen next? I, I got to admit, I, I still wasn't expecting the show to surprise me the way it did. So I, I guess I, I still was like, okay, they're going to use some story trope and they'll get away. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I was like, these are our heroes. They can't the mind working kill them all somehow. off. So I thought it'll work out. I'm sure it's got it right. <laughs> Look at the wind turbine working somehow, and at the last minute, or uh, no, I didn't. I I, I thought maybe I, I still wasn't giving the show the credit I should have. I really <laughs> something would happen and it would tie it all up with a bow. Everything would be fine. Yeah, I kind of thought that a little bit because it's such a storytelling yeah. trope, you know. Like and that's you don't put all your heroes or most of your heroes in one location. Okay, you guys, uh, did you see the way Sasha looked at Amber when she came to check out Dale on the Slave Line? He is freaking speechless from the moment he meets her. And she instantly seemed charmed by his jokes. I'm gonna, like, throw up. Well, yeah, she smiles. But it's the look on Sasha's face that really gets me. Um, I was just watching it today. And I'm like, he's not really saying anything while her and Dal are talking, but he's like, she might as well come riding in on a white horse with flames behind her. By the way, Sasha's just like, who's this? And she's like, I'm going to get you guys out. You know what I mean? He's like, he felt so hard. The look on his face, he's just falling through space with this girl. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just—I was looking at it today. I was like, "Oh my gosh, he's speechless." <laughs> she shows up with a flaming sword. And he's just like, "I'm in love." <laughs> it just made me giggle. I was like, "Oh my gosh, look at that." He felt mm -hmm. hard. I notice it, but that's also the moment I like yell and throw things on my computer, and then you know, instantly apologize to it because I could have broke something. And no. Um, cool. So that brings episode 28 to a close. Thank you once again to the panel and we'll see you next time for episode 29. So until then, bye. 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 Bye.